Turn in your Bibles this morning to Numbers chapter 21. Numbers chapter 21. And then John chapter 3. Are y'all warm? You ought to be on the stage. So, all right. So when the air conditioner turns on with these huge turbines up here, all, all of the ladies that wore just a little tank top today, go ahead and borrow somebody's coat on your road. They don't need it. Go ahead and borrow it because it's going to get cool. That's my cue. That's like a very subtle way of telling the guys to turn the air on. Anyway, <laughs> Numbers chapter 21, verse 4. And they, the Israelites, journeyed from Mount Hoar by the way of the Red Sea to compass the land of Edom. And the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way, and the people spake against God and against Moses. And this is what they said. Wherefore have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in this wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loatheth this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and many of them died. And therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we've spoken against the Lord and against you. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us, or you could say the judgment from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make a fiery serpent and set it upon a pole. And it shall come to pass that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass and put it upon a pole. And it came to pass that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. So before we go to John 3, let me just give you a very quick scenario. Here's the people of God. And this story was recorded not for historical sake, but for the unveiling of a predominant spiritual truth in the New Testament. It's a type. It's a type of people sinning. A type of sin receiving judgment. Judgment provides a form of repentance and then God provided a cure. And God told Moses, he said, make a, a bronze serpent. Make an image of that which is judging them. Judge the thing that's judging them. Set it upon a pole so that everyone that looketh upon it shall live. And it doesn't mean that if someone was just, that had been bit by the, the snakes that was being very sick, if they just glanced and caught an eye uh, or just caught their eye in the corner, it means that someone that intentionally looked upon it would live. Fascinating story. So you picture these people burying their relatives. They're dying of this judgment. And then when Moses set this serpent upon a pole, the very thing that bit them the very thing that had the power to take away life was judged symbolically. And here's this serpent being lifted up and the people that looked intently upon the serpent, the bronze serpent, were healed. Now go to John chapter three with me, 14 through 19. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the son of man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. See, many of us know verse 16, but we didn't know verse 15. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him, Jesus, is not condemned. 
But he that believeth not is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation or the judgment that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. Would you join me in prayer this morning before I preach the word to you? Oh Lord, I just humble myself this morning and I pray that you take captive my stray thoughts that you would give me clarity today, I pray, O oh Lord. I pray, God, that you would anoint my words, that they would go down deep into the souls of people, O oh Lord. Men and women, mothers and fathers, granddaddies and grandmothers, boys and girls. That this story would come alive in their soul. That their eyes of their understanding would be opened. And that they would see the truth of who you are and how much you care for them. And I thank you in advance, O oh Lord. And God, if you can't use me this morning, speak in spite of me, I pray, so that your will would be accomplished and great grace would be upon your people. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to talk to you about the sin part for just a moment. There's the issue of sins that many people talk about, but they very rarely talk about the issue of sin. The sin nature was passed on from Adam and Eve in the garden to their children, to their children's children, to their children's children. We are not sinners because we have sinned. We sin because we are sinners. Sin passed upon every man and death passed upon every man. And this Old Testament story is really just an unveiling of truth so that we can grasp the eternal truth of Jesus' death for us in our place. The Israelites, of course they sinned because they were sinners. And you and I sin because we are sinners. The Bible is crystal clear. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. The Bible tells us to be sure that our sin will find us out. Our sins, your sins, find you out in your emotions, in your words, in your mind, in your bodies, in your homes, in your sleep. We all have come under sin and our sins have brought judgment upon us, temporary judgment. And for those that do not find grace from God, eternal judgment. Look at what their sins look like. Maybe you can identify with this. Their sin blinded them to the goodness of God. God had already gotten them out of Egypt, but they had forgotten. And many of you have been protected provided for and cared for. You escaped certain tragedies over your life, but your sin has blinded you to what God's done for you in the past. And you think only maybe of yourself. It weakens your disposition. It said the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way sin has a way of stripping life of its simple joys and pleasures. Stealing from you the smile of your little girl at home. Stealing from you that little boy that would rather be held by you than anything else. It discourages us because we might not have the biggest house in the neighborhood. And we're healthy. And we're good. And our wives are good. And our children are good. And it, it just it, it shrivels our disposition. It darkens our view of God. The Israelites said, God has brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness. Time out. He rescued you. To kill you. Is that what you're saying? Yes. Our sin has a way of making us see God 
so inaccurately and so unclearly because sin separates and it darkens our mind. You can look at the ocean like that man I told you about, that older man, tears running down his, down his face, seeing the resplendent glory of God. Nature testifieth of God. And our sin will make us say, God doesn't exist. And if he does exist, he's cruel or unkind. It's like if God exists, why does he allow all this evil in this world? I can see God saying, I was going to ask you the same thing. Sin distorts our view of the creator. It distorts our reality. They said there is no bread and there is no water. And our soul hates this light bread. Okay, time out again. There is no bread and our soul hates this bread. And there is no water. And the Bible said that water was coming out of a mountain that God clave. And it was slaking the thirst of million Jews. Million plus. Let me tell you what sin does. It causes you to live in a false reality that doesn't even exist. We ignore the provisions of God. We ignore the blessings of God. And we live in this distortion that says, I don't got nothing. And they're living in a home, driving an SUV. We ain't got nothing. We ain't got nothing. Sin... It shows up in everything. It shows up in the way you view God, the way you view your family, the way you view yourself, the way you live, the, the way you, your choices, your mindsets, your attitude. It just infects it all. And it alters our appetite. This is huge. The Israelites said, our soul loatheth this light bread. God rained bread from heaven. Angels bread, the Bible said. Pure bread from heaven. And you know what they said? We hate it. Sin will not let you enjoy what God provides for you. Some of you are living in the best of times. And you curse God and say it's the worst of times. Some of you God has provided things for. Doesn't mean that you don't experience lean times or difficult times or times of loss. But sin will get you to a place where you can't even acknowledge God's goodness. And when he does provide things like his word for you, you hear the word of God. Maybe you were like me and you just spit it out of your mouth. Say, what is that? And I know there's stuff on television, on Christian television that's foolishness. I understand that. But you could hear something on television that's just the pure word of God and sin won't even let you digest it. You just spit it from your mouth. You said, I hate it. I hate this type of music. I hate the word of God. I hate it all because sin shows up that way. And I ain't preaching at you. I'm preaching from where I lived. There's a sin issue in this story. And there's a sin issue in our heart. And then there's a sentence. Because God is too pure to look upon sin. Sin has to be judged. We, we know this about other people, but we don't want to think it about ourselves. Hitler has to be judged. Abortion has to be judged. Our adultery, our lying, it has to be judged. And God is not, he is not what people present him. He's not waiting in heaven to knock your head off, but he doesn't wink at sin and go, oh, it's okay. Just live like hell and hurt anyone and abuse children. It's okay. No problem. I'm a God of love. 
It's neither one of those. And this word is crystal clear. And I'm going to bring it home to you in a moment and show you. God doesn't wink at sin. He provides grace for it. Now watch. There's the sentence. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people and the people died. God will judge you. Oh, God's a God of love. Yes, he is. But he's a God of judgment too. Who sent the fiery serpents, the Bible said? The Lord did. The Lord judges transgression. This, someone said, you know, you'd say the, the, the serpents bit the people and God sent the serpents. You need to be more positive. I'm positive God sent the serpents and the serpents bit the people. Did you know when you and I were born into our sin, the judgment of God hovered over us from that first day. We're sentenced. The wages of sin is death. When the, see, they were in the wilderness. So let me give you a little backstory. They're in the wilderness, no record of snake bite until judgment came. So God had kept at bay for the Israelites this judgment. But once judgment starts, once it starts in the mind, in the heart, it's a grace. God will send temporal judgment here to waken us and quicken us and sober us. This judgment was a personal judgment. See, it's one thing to say there's snakes in the camp. And there's another thing to say a snake bit me. It's one thing to say, yeah, God will judge sin. But when he judges our sin, then it's personal. These snakes sought out the sinner. It was a personal judgment. It was an accurate judgment. It was a specific judgment. It was a painful judgment. I, I ain't two kinds of snakes I'm scared of, and that's dead and alive. Outside of that, I'm good. I, I don't bother them. But this, 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 they were given their name not because of just the fiery color of the snake, the serpent in the wilderness, it's because when it bit the person, immediately their skin would turn shades of fiery red and their veins would be inflamed and it would pulse. Now you don't have to respond and I'm not trying to be crass. Do you remember when your sin pulsed in your veins? Anyone else besides me? Remember when your shame was greater than your capacity to bear it? Does anybody else remember waking up in places and you didn't know where you were? Anybody else remember conceiving children and didn't know who the father was? When sin, when we, we commit it, there's pleasure in it for a season. But the judgment that it carries, it's not just the eternal one that's waiting. They're temporal judgments, scars, poisons that rack the body. And there may be someone here today that feels like God's judging you, but listen to this pastor. If he's judging you now, it's not to condemn you. It's to sober you. So you'll seek a cure. It was a spreading judgment. Sin doesn't just bite you and stay there. It spread up the arm and it get to your neck and the neck would close off and people were dying left and right. We're watching our loved ones die without God. And we're thinking it's not going to come near us. 
one of my friends in Mercer, when I was at Mercer, word got to us one morning. They said, did you hear what happened to Michael last night? I said, no, what happened? They said, he died in his apartment. I was like, what? They said there was a fire. One of his electrical cords had shorted out and caught his drapes on fire. And he was too drunk to find the door. And we watch it. We watch it spread. Take people's lives. Our sin cut lives short. And we say, well, it will never find its way to me. It'll never get me where I'm at. This judgment is unavoidable. We'll all give an account of ourselves unto God. It's unmistakable when God judges us in this world. It's progressive. It's irreversible. And it's fatal. When a person becomes aware of their sin, it's like becoming aware of having AIDS. Or fourth stage cancer you're going to die and the sinner comes to church and they said I'm I'm judged I'm judged I'm, I'm going to die and they tell him something like well let's build some houses for habitat for humanity okay and let's serve at the nursing home wonderful things but I'm dying and give to a building program and light a candle and rub some beads, and say a mantra, and chant a chant, and no one's telling them the truth. We are sinners, and the wrath of God abideth on us, and the proof that we're under judgment is we're dying. How many of y'all got a little white on top of your head today? Oh, okay. No matter how you take care of yourself, your body is dying. And do you know what age is? Age is one of the greatest graces God gives you to let you know that reckoning day is coming. Our sin is finding us out in our body. And it always ends in judgment. When we go to the doctor and he tells us we have AIDS, I don't, I don't, wanna, I don't, want, I don't want you to not tell me the truth. I don't want to go to a doctor and say, you're good, man, you're good. How you feel? You're good? Okay, you're good. I want him to tell me the truth. I don't want him to go... If I have AIDS, send me into physical therapy to work on my shoulder. I want to know, can you provide a cure? And what we need is a cure for our sin. We don't need a Band-Aid. We don't need 12 steps or 32 steps. We don't need a program. We don't need a support group. We need the God that sent the judgment to provide a cure for our sins. So God provided a solution. God told Moses, make a serpent of brass and set it up on a pole. And everyone that intentionally looks upon it for the cure will find it. Very quickly, let me show you some things that, uh, that will never help. It wouldn't help for you to wait or the Israelites to wait upon the wound to heal itself. The snake bit it and they said, you know, uh, it didn't bite me and I'm not swelling. It didn't bite me and I'm not swelling. Well, ignoring the fact doesn't change it. Or if they said, I'm just going to watch this rascal and see if it gets well. People fall into the left and right, but my snake bit, my snake bite's different than your snake bite. Waiting on it to heal itself never happens. It wouldn't help to try to heal it yourself. You don't need to rub herbs and paprika in it and chalk off your house and do dances and all that. 
you can't cure, listen, you can't cure God's judgment. I'm going to be a good man. Well, you're going to be a good dead man because you can't cure God's judgment. God's not looking for sacrifices. God's looking for the person that will accept his verdict of them and receive his cure. It wouldn't help to compare yourself with others. I know a lot of people did this. I did this in college. Well, your snake bite looked worse than my snake bite. At least I'm not like them. You hear people say that. You're dying. Okay, your buddy Skippy's dying and you're dying. Yeah, but he's dying worse than I'm dying. You just want to say, answer the phone. He got two bites. One bite will kill you. No, but he's got that other kind of bite. That's a bad kind of bite. Both of your arms swelling up, neck swelling up, can't breathe. Yeah, but he's real. Look at the color he's turning. I'm not as bad as him. That's why it's foolish to look amongst ourselves and try to find a barometer for how we're doing. It wouldn't help to feel sorry for yourself. And it surely doesn't help to fold your arms and say, I am not snake bit. Oh, we did it. Don't, don't, don't judge people outside the church. We did it. I'm fine. I remember when my mother tells me the story. She had my brother Jim. And a year and 19 days later, I was born. So she had just got out of the hospital. And back then, you stayed in the hospital a while. You know, now you have a baby and you're out. You had a baby at 3 o'clock. You're out at 4.15. They're pushing you out the door. You think, I, young people, when we were growing up and your daddy had heart surgery, he's in the hospital for a month. A month. You're in there for 24 hours now and they're pushing you with the wheelchair out the door. I got to find out where I was. Oh, okay. I, they say, you know, the full drawing, I am not, I am, I am not a sinner. My mother went in to see the doctor. She said, I don't feel good. He said, you're pregnant. This is before EPT, ESPN, ABC, any of it. There was no EPT. She said, I am not pregnant. He said, yeah, you are. She said, I am not. I almost died with this last one. I am not. He said, will you come back and let me know when you are? About eight and a half months later, tipping over. You know, my mother's five foot two. And so she's about five foot square now. You know, she walks in. She, I think I'm is. <laughs> I, I think I am. I talk to people all the time. Kind people. Kind people. I tell you, I am not a sinner. I say, yes, you are. I am fine. No, you're not. You're just trying to get me to come to your church. No, no, I'm not. Your sin is going to kill you unless you find God's cure. This solution, this remedy must come from God. If it's God's judgment, it must be God's grace. And I won't keep you, but just a moment more. Just stay with me. You, you can't... You can't find a cure. God sends the cure. It must come from God. It's not human effort. It's not will. It's not your actions. It's a humility of heart that says, I look to you to remove the judgment that you sent. If you're under God's judgment, you must find grace from God. If I'm arrested in Georgia, then I must find grace in the court of Georgia. I must find pardon in the court of Georgia. And we understand that in the natural, but we don't get it in the spiritual. If God doesn't pardon you, you're not pardoned. If God doesn't cure you, you're not cured. 
This remedy was simple, not ornate, not cloaked in mystery. God didn't ask Moses to, you know, carve up these special flowers and emblems and drape it with purple sashes. What God was telling Moses to do is just simply Jesus. Watch. Jesus, the righteous one, that God has committed all judgment to him. All judgment's been given under the sun. The priest, the prophet, the king, the potentate, the one that has the power to pass sentence. As Moses made the fiery serpent into the image of the judgment, the judgment was the snake, Moses made the snake. Jesus became a type of the judgment. In the same way that that brazen serpent was fashioned on this pole, it looks like you had took a, a pole and ran it, if a snake was vertical and you just ran it through him and spun it around and lifted it up, Jesus was impaled on a pole. And if you picture it going through him and he was hung, the judge, the snake, became the grace. And Jesus became sin for us having known no sin. And the same thing that once could kill him brought him life. That's why this story happened in the Old Testament so it could cast light on the New Testament so that we would see that there was only one form of grace. It's simple. And this remedy was undeserved. Ben, if you'd come, please. The Israelites didn't deserve grace. And you and I don't deserve it. This remedy was singular. Listen to me. Stay with me. It's very important. It's not the bronze serpent plus something else. Where Moses said, okay, now you need to come to the, the tabernacle of meeting, to the tent, and you must worship this, and you must give this amount of money, and you must say these prayers, and you must pronounce this mantra, and you must attend church services, or you need to pray. There was nothing else added. It's not look upon the bronze serpent and do anything else. It's not look upon any bronze serpent. That's the lie of this generation that Satan, the God of this world, the small God of this world, hath woven through the texture of our media that all roads lead to God. No, they don't. That's an arrogant statement. No, it's not. All roads don't lead to Florida. That's an arrogant statement. No, it's an accurate one. 75 North does not go to Florida. That is the height of arrogance. No, it's just a fact. And there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That brazen serpent was the only cure. Well, I'm going to be cured a different way. No. Many people think that if you're sincere, that's all God requires. No. I have been sincerely wrong many times. There was one serpent in the wilderness that brought healing. And there's one Savior that brings healing today. This remedy was accessible. And everyone that was bitten, when they looked, Moses, on a hill outside the camp, lifted this brazen serpent on a pole. And Jesus, going outside of the camp, 
was crucified at the place of the skull, Golgotha's Hill. And all of Israel could look upon him. And Roman soldiers could look upon him. And everyone that was bitten, that looked, intentionally looked at Jesus, at this serpent, for that grace, found it. This remedy was humbling. This remedy required no mediator. You don't need a Pastor John for this remedy. Or anybody else. This remedy was without price. It was powerful. Give me just one second to tell you this part. I don't care if the grandfather was bitten and his body had turned. It looked like you had took a red magic marker or a searing iron and just burned into his skin. And he was convulsing into his last breath. I could see his little daughter dragging him over there. Granddaddy, granddaddy, just look, just look. And him look. It didn't matter how far the sin had went. Instantaneously, the poison dissipated from his body and he lived because God's cure was accessible to him. I don't care how far gone you are, baby. I don't care what you've done and where you've been. God takes old drunks like this and forgives them and gives them a brand new heart and you start over. It was instantaneous. Salvation is not a gradual thing. When they looked, they lived. And when they didn't look, they died. Instantaneous. I can imagine there were several people that were right up on the, the cross. They came uh, right up on the uh, serpent on the pole. Walked right up to it. Put their nose up against it. And they were healed. And other people were at the far end of the camp. And all they could do would see the light glance off the top left-hand corner and it hit instantaneously healed. Oh, even if you can't see but a little piece of what I'm saying, if you believe, if you believe, God grants grace. Whosoever looked was healed. And this remedy was sufficient. These people that tell you they're saved and you write it off, you weren't there. You weren't there when the poison racked through my body and I thought about taking my own life. You weren't there when I lived depressed and discouraged and defeated. You weren't there when I would ask myself on a daily basis, is this all there is to life? You weren't there when I believed on July 6, 1986 and instantaneously I went from judged to forgiven. I went from dead to alive and my eyes opened and I saw the great grace available to me. I wasn't just looked over. I was pardoned and forgiven. Watch. Someone has to die. I've said all I said this morning to lead you to this place. Someone has to die. And granddaddy's dying and mama's dying. Little children dying, dying. Serpents going in and out of tents, grabbing onto people, bite, dying, dying. Someone has to die. The guilty has to die. So Christ, coming in the form of human flesh, says, I will become the guilty. And God rams the pole through him and lifts him up. And preachers like me tell you the story. 
so that the scripture can be fulfilled that said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. He was lifted up on Calvary. And today, I lift him up just for you to look. Do you believe that he died so you could live? If you believe, grace flows from heaven to you. Last thing, and whosoever looked, whosoever, whosoever, it didn't matter. It didn't matter. It didn't matter age. It didn't matter race. It didn't matter history. It didn't matter if you were the one that said, I'll never look and changed your mind. It didn't matter. Whosoever, they were healed. So there were people that were dying. And the next day they were seen in town and said, what happened to you? I looked yesterday. Did it work? Oh yeah, it worked. What say you about your sin? What say you about your sentence? What say you about God's solution? Why would you die? Whosoever calleth upon the name of the Lord, whosoever believeth, shall be saved. Would you bow your heads with me? I asked Ben to play and sing this song this morning. And after he sang this through a couple of times, I'm going to give you opportunity to make a decision to look and live. One more sign, one more day, some other time is what you say, but today's your day, your sign is here, the time is now, the Lord is near. Just reach out and receive Him. Just reach out and receive Him.
with no one looking around. If this is you today, would you have the grace and the courage to dismiss your pride and just get up and come find a place and kneel and say, I'm looking to you today, Jesus, for my sins. If that's you, come on. Where are you? Come on. Is there anyone? God bless you, ma'am. If you're with someone and they're your guest, do not embarrass them. Just reach over and take them by the hand. and That's your way of saying, I'll go with you. Come on. Come on. Anyone else? God bless you. God bless you. (laughs) That one look is all it takes. God's spirit's moving on people. Look and live. I hear it in my soul. Look, look, look and live. Who else? Where are you? Come on. Oh, don't let your pride keep you another day. Come on. God bless you, sir. Look and live. God bless you. Could I have a gentleman with these two men? Would y'all come? God bless you, ma'am. Look and live. Pastor John, I was healed. I was saved. And I've been bit again. I'm back in the same stuff. Can I look a second time? Yes. Look and live. Where are you? Where are you, backslider? Come on. Oh, don't hesitate. You know I'm talking to you. Come on. Where are you? Look and live. God bless you, ma'am. I'm away from the Lord. I used to walk with the king. I'm away from him. I'm walking outside of my tent and I'm looking again for that same grace, that same power. Would someone come pray with these two ladies here, please? Ladies. Anybody else? Hey guys, open your eyes. Time's running out for today. And if you don't call this place home, listen, just trust me on that. You're safe here. Ain't nobody going to embarrass you or shake you or say nothing to you. But this is your day, man. This is your day. And if I didn't say it clear enough, if, if, I, wasn't, if I wasn't your style of guy, push me out of the way and look. Look upon Christ. Look upon the message. And be ye saved today. Who else is? I just know in my heart there's someone else. And I'll wait, I'll wait just a moment longer. Where are you? Where are you? Come on. In Jesus' name, where are you? Is there one more? Is there one more? If you're thinking I may be the one, you are. Come on. Come on. Saints praying all over this building. We'll wait just a moment longer.
Pastor John, I'm embarrassed. We've all been there. Who else? Is there one more? Guys, I wouldn't stretch this out for anything in the world. I just, I just feel in my heart that's like that person. I just wish this part of the service would be over. Yeah, but you may not make it. So I'm going to hold it open for you. Come on. Can I be the one that drags you to the window? Come on. Come on. Just look. And even if you didn't like my method, if you found grace today, it's well worth it. Come on. We'll wait just a minute more. Where are you today? God bless you. Is there one other? I just don't feel a release in my heart yet. Is there one other? Too many people have prayed for you. Too many people have prayed for you. God bless you. God bless you this morning. Lisa, would you pray with her? Saints, would you mind take a few moments and pray for the people here? Would you do that? Just, Lord, for the lady here by herself. Would you pray for them just where you sit? Just pray for them. church family while they're praying would you stand with me this morning and those in the altar if you'll stay here just a moment I want to talk to you and we're going to dismiss 
sometimes churches have a way of making profoundly simple things profoundly difficult. There's all these hoops and regular, all these things you got. There's no learning. There's a look. It's just a look. And all of your sins are forgiven. All of your sins are forgiven. You and you and you and me, we're on the exact same platform, eye to eye, not one inch taller than you because I was bit, you were bit, you were bit, you were bit. And we looked for grace and grace found us forgiven. And if you go home or you go to work to a hostile situation where they say, it's foolishness. You weren't the one that had the poison leave his body like I was. I had him tell me, it's a joke. It's ridiculous. I'll see you six months. You'll be right back on this bar stool. 30 years later, I'm still poison free. 30 years later, forgiven. Not perfect, forgiven. And every time you stumble, watch this. Every time you stumble, and the judgment buys you up. Oh, I know where to go. Oh, it's no big deal. No, it almost killed me last time. It is a big deal. Hold on, hold on. Father, I come before you and I'm looking for, I'm, there it is. I'm looking for the cross that paid for my sin. And that look, the blood of his son cleanses us from all sin. You'll have to look again. You'll have to, but don't ever doubt the grace that's on your life. You don't die from that original snake bite ever. Satan tried to kill you. We tried to kill ourselves, But where sin abounds, grace does much more abound. Final thought. You know that old man I told you about standing in the ocean and those little waves that were hitting him in the, in the shins? It's like we, we have sin in our life and we experience it in little waves and little waves and it covers us. It's wet. If that were a poison and it gets on you. But see, God has a typhoon wave of grace that comes from the other way and just pushes it all the way back out. We were what we thought we were. We were guilty. We were judged and we were doomed. But we're free now. You don't owe this church nothing. You don't owe me nothing. You don't have to do nothing. You looked and you live. That's called grace. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you. <laughs>